I moved to George County the first time 40 years ago, just to write about this time around March. I think we made our first trip. And while I was here, I got to spend some time with a man who fought in the Navy in the Pacific in World War II. He carried me uh, to Pensacola to the Naval Air Museum and told me about the different things we saw there. He was just one man during that time. His job was to shoot down airplanes that were trying to bomb his ship, and he told me about some of those harrowing moments when the enemy bullets targeted him, targeted him attempting to silence his gun. I think about that sometimes. I'm just one preacher. This church is just one ship. Why should we be of concern to the enemy? Why would he take aim at my life or at the life of my family or at the life of our church? Why? Because Paul told us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is war. And although I'm just one lone gunner on the side of some massive ship, the enemy wants to silence my gun and he wants to sink our ship. Therefore, I need to dress for battle. I need to dress strong so that I can fight strong, and so that when all is said and done, I can stand strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But the only way to do that, according to Paul in Romans 13, 14, is to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the lust of the flesh. Jesus Christ is the only one who can make you strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we've said when you look at the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly life, you see what it looks like for a man to wear the full armor of God. You see a man standing victorious against all the strategies of the devil. You see a man in the evil day standing firm as he went to the cross. And when the battle was over, you hear him cry, it is finished. Satan was defeated with the cross forever and then the resurrection announcing that forever that our Lord stood firm. So when we put on the armor of God, we are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are suiting up to do battle with armor that has been proven on the battlefield of life, every piece of it. So we look at these verses beginning in verse 10. We're going to read through verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6, the very first part of verse 17, where Paul says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. 
What is the helmet of salvation? That's the question we're going to try to answer. What do you use a helmet for? Well, a person who rides a bicycle has a bicycle helmet. It protects their head. A person who plays football has a football helmet. It protects their head. Somebody who plays baseball, when they get up to bat, they wear a helmet to protect their head. A soldier in battle wears a helmet to protect the head. And so, does the helmet of salvation protect the head? Well, some people say yes. They say this verse is about protecting the mind from the, from the assaults of the enemy. But I want to suggest to you that this piece of this passage is about much more than that. So you remembered what perhaps what I've told you about this armor. When you put on the armor of God, what have you done? You've simply clothed yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Although Paul is talking about pieces and he's picturing it, he's simply picturing a person who is protected by the power of God through faith, as Peter would say, with his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, with his hope in the gospel, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He is the truth. His word is truth, and all that holds itself up is true, as we've been talking about in discipleship training on Sunday night, must be measured by God's truth, and, and he is the fullness of the truth of God, as the scripture says. In him are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not only so, he's the breastplate of righteousness. We have none of our own. In Romans 3.10, quoting from Psalms, Paul said, There is none righteous, no, not one. In 3.12, he said, There is no one who does good, not even one. Therefore, without Jesus himself, I don't have any righteousness, and you don't have any righteousness. The Bible also tells me that Jesus Christ is our peace. According to Colossians 1.20, he made peace through the blood of his cross. And last week we said he is our shield. And by faith we take refuge in his presence and under his protection. And according to Peter, we are protected by the power of God through faith. I'm just trying to show you how Jesus himself is each piece of this armor. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus Christ himself is the secret of the Christian life. You're looking for the secret of the Christian life? It is Jesus himself. He is the secret. Paul said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, Paul said. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can't do anything without him, with him, through him, with him in me, I can do all things. Now, one of the things that we, I need to show you tonight as we talk about Jesus Christ, and we the helmet of salvation is not... It's obviously something you just pick up and put on. It's salvation in its total. And it's salvation as it covers you. It's salvation as it protects you. But in the Old Testament, here's point number one, the term salvation is always connected to God. Never used apart from God. I'm going to show you some scriptural examples. The first time the word appears in the Old Testament, the verse simply says, 
For your salvation I wait, O Lord. That's in Genesis 49, 18. From there forward, every reference to salvation indicates that salvation belongs to the Lord. When the children of Israel stood trapped between the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh in Exodus 14, 13, Moses said, Do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which He will accomplish for you today. Salvation belongs to the Lord. David said in Psalm 3, verse 8, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Uh, and that was also, by the way, Psalm 18, 2. And then the, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Simply to show you that in every instance, salvation belongs to God and comes from God. It is His salvation. And when I put my trust in Him, then He is my salvation. There are only two times in the Old Testament when salvation, as it's mentioned in Scripture, is not connected to God. And that is so because of those who miss it. In Psalm 119, verse 155, the Bible says, Salvation is far from the wicked. And then in Psalm 146, 3, Do not trust uh, in mortal man, in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. And here's the second point. Salvation is not something that's in my power. It never was intended to be in my power. It is not in my power today. Once I, once I become a Christian, salvation is not in my power. It is not in my power even to live a successful Christian life. It is not within me to do it. It is not in my power. Salvation is not in my power. Never has been, never will be. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Let me give you another passage from the Old Testament. Isaiah 61 verse 10, where Isaiah wrote, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. That is a beautiful passage of scripture. He covers me. He clothes me. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. In the New Testament, when Simeon saw Jesus come into the temple, when his parents brought him into the temple as a little child, Simeon broke out in praise to God and he said, My eyes have seen your salvation. And Paul said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. David prayed for God to rise to his defense in Psalm 35 3. He said, draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Salvation is always connected to God. It's not connected to me or something I do or something I can do. 
So if I want to live a successful Christian life, then I'm going to need to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be successful in my battle against the enemy as he takes aim at my life and tries to sink my family, tries to sink me, tries to sink my church, then I'm going to have to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ as my helper, as my protector in the battle against the enemy of my soul. So, we look again at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, talking about Jesus. I believe we referred to this work verse last week. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. It refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. And he, the rest of that passage says he accomplished our salvation. So who wears that helmet? Who wears the helmet of salvation? Who entered the battle in our behalf and fought the fight and won the battle? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He's our defender and our deliverer. That's why Paul could say, put on the full armor of God on the one hand, and on the other hand in the book of Romans, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Do you wear the helmet of salvation? Is your soul protected against the enemy? Is your soul at peace with God? Are you saved? Now let me talk with you about salvation because when we talk about the helmet of salvation, how can we talk about the helmet of salvation without talking about salvation itself? And here's the next point. Salvation either is or isn't. It either is or isn't. Is or isn't what? It either is salvation. Or it isn't salvation. There is no in-between. There is no middle ground. If it depends on my decision, if it depends on my baptism, if it depends on me and my trip down the aisle, if I am trusting in any of that, if my confidence is in that, then it isn't salvation. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying if that's what you're counting on, to be saved, if that's what you think salvation is, I was baptized, that's salvation. No, it's not. I walked down the aisle and I stood in front of the church and I told them, that's not salvation. Salvation is not anything that you do. Salvation is, is something that is accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no one else. If, salva if salvation depends on my goodness, I don't have it. I can never have it. Because we've already heard the scriptures say there's none good, no, not one. If salvation depends on my righteousness, I will never be saved. Because we've heard the scriptures say there is none righteous, no, not one. If salvation depends on my character, on my strength, then I don't have it. Because we've heard the scriptures say there is no salvation in mortal man. Not one of us. None of us can achieve it. So salvation either is or isn't. Why? Because salvation means deliverance. Deliverance. Are you delivered? Are you saved? Same word. Delivered, saved. And we can talk about saved and say, well, I'm not delivered, but I'm saved. Salvation means deliverance. And so, are you saved? Almost. Are you saved altogether? Salvation either is or isn't. It's either all the way or none at all. Why do I say that? Because salvation does not depend on you and what you've done. The moment you trust anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you have put your trust in something that cannot save. No one can be your salvation 
but the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never be that. And that's not only true, and we lose sight of that, that's not only true, you want to go to heaven when you die. That's what you want. But the Lord wants for you so much more than that. He wants for you victory over sin and temptation. And so for, for that, how are you going to be saved from that? How are you going to be delivered from that? Only through the Lord Jesus Christ does that deliverance come. So, next point. When I put on the helmet of salvation, how secure is it? How safe am I with it? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? Just before he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It wasn't almost finished. It was all the way finished. When I put my trust in him, when I throw to the wind any hope that I might have in my goodness, uh, and I put my hope in him, what happens? Well, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, Paul said simply this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He didn't say you might be saved. He didn't say you can be saved. He didn't say you should be saved. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, do you believe the Bible? The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. When Paul said that, did he mean almost or all the way? Let me show you another verse. We're talking about the helmet of salvation. I'm trying to just share with you or suggest to you that each piece of this armor represents the Lord Jesus Christ and the confidence we have in him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul said, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as a helmet the confidence of our salvation. That comes from the New Living Translation. I use the New Living Translation because it gives the sense of the word. That may, uh, the word hope may appear in your version. Uh, and, and so as we look through scripture about the hope of salvation, it, it's a confident hope. Uh, it's an assured hope according to Romans 4.21. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it's a living hope. And in the book of Hebrews, it says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Now, how can you be sure of salvation? How can you have more than just a hope soul salvation? Now, I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, but I guess the Sunday night crowd needs to hear this about as bad as anybody because Hope so salvation isn't salvation at all. It isn't. It isn't. It's not faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not confident faith. It's not a secure hope. It isn't anything that we've talked about. Hope so means it's, you're, it's, it's all dependent on you and how you turn out and how good you are and what you can accomplish and, and how many steps that you can take in the right direction. That's not what it depends on at all. You're not trusting in your own effort. You're trusting in Him. Salvation means saved. Saved is not almost. It, it, it's not 
it, it is all together. Jesus doesn't do things halfway. Now, you do, and I do. If it depends on you, it isn't salvation, but it doesn't depend on you because salvation is not in your name. It's his name. It doesn't rest on your character. It rests on his character. It doesn't rest on your righteousness. I'm glad it doesn't rest on mine because the more, the older you get, let me just say to you young people sitting here on the front, the four of you, the older you get, the worse you'll find out that you are. Isn't it true? You're going to find it out. You're not as good as you think you are right now. You're good, you, you have good ideals and you have high ideals and you keep them as high as you can. But the only way you'll ever be able to reach any of those ideals is through total dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't do it, but he can do it in you. And the more you yield yourself to him, the more you'll be able to be the person that he wants you to be. So salvation means salvation, deliverance to safety, not something less than that. And what is the extent of, of Jesus' ability to save? What kind of job does he do in salvation? If you put your trust in Jesus, and if you have put your trust in Jesus, how good is the salvation that he provides and that he offers? Well, Hebrews 7, 25 and let me read it to you from several different translations so we make no mistake about it. From the New International Version, it says, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. Any question about that? What is completely? Well, you have to define that for yourself. But it says in the New International Version, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. And then in the King James Version and in the English Standard Version, it says he is able to save to the uttermost. That means to the farthest part, to the darkest part. He's able to save the utter worst to the uttermost. I think that also means completely. And then in the New, in the New American Standard Bible, it says he is able to save Forever. That's not a part-time salvation. That is complete. That is to the full extent. And in the New Living Translation, it, say, it says he is able to save once and forever. And in the message, it says he's able to save from now to eternity. It's, when it's done, it's done. It's complete. It's finished. Not because you finished it, because he finished it. And if your trust is in your goodness, then it's incomplete because it's in you. It's not in him. If your trust is in your decision that you made when you were eight years old, then it's in you. It's not in him. But if you throw that to the wind and say, Lord, my only hope is you and your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead, I'm counting on you to get me from here to eternity, then your salvation is in him and he will not fail you. Put on the helmet of salvation. So, how saved is that? Is it almost or is it all the way? Jesus does not save to the almost. He saves to the uttermost. You can put your trust in him. He entered the battle and won your salvation on your behalf. And the Bible says those who put their trust in him will never be disappointed. They have clothed themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. They wear 
the helmet of salvation because your trust is in him.